0: much noise so
1: we may look like jack nicholson at the end of the shining by the end of this episode
0: whoa 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 spoilers oh if you haven't seen the shining he freezes to death and the ghosts oh, are real boy. the whole time
2: he and should have been doing this for the heat
0: episode <laughs> right uh, and oh. wizard of oz wasn't a dream she actually went there
1: is that a theory or is that
0: that's canon is it because you see her go there in the movie think about it Hmm. But then she wakes up. The Matrix was a documentary. <laughs> okay. Well, I welcome to your uh, your the podcast that you, you love, that you are listening to. Uh, listener, the good, the pod, and the ugly. Man uncaged, unmanned.
1: Yes, unmoored. Un- Michael
0: managed. Michael managed. Man
1: aged. We are doing all the Michael Mann movies. Uh, I'm Ken. We're watching them. Yeah, we're not doing that. I don't know how you that would work, <laughs> okay. or like, like, like reenacting
0: them, like making our own versions of them. You know, like little kids Wait, do you sometimes. You
2: guys like, haven't been re—you guys haven't been doing the reenactments on your. Okay, I'm, um, this is Thomas. Yeah, I've check our not YouTube. Not been cosplay. Okay, good.
0: Yeah, this is Jack, and you are. I am Ken, and that was Thomas, like he just said. And we are also joined in the studio with uh, podcast mascot Watson. Yep, chewing on his foot. So sorry if you he can hear that. Yeah, you definitely can.
1: And
2: we're in the downhill of uh, downhill portion of this this wild oh, ride. Guys. Thomas, do
1: you want to describe how all these movies and TV shows have been matched up? Our system? Oh,
2: fudge! Uh, not exactly. I mean, it's a similar to the first three seasons of the podcast when you guys were doing Clint Eastwood and going through his full filmography. So. Uh, We're we're looking at the the directorial uh, efforts of Michael Mann, uh, including television, uh, starting with Police Woman paired with his uh, most recent film, Black Hat, and moving towards the middle by pairing uh, his earlier works with his later works, until we get to Heat and Takedown. And uh, this episode is going to
1: be two parts, and uh, it's... Last of the Mohicans from 1992 and The Insider from
0: 1999. Wait, wait, wait. Let me get this straight. This whole operation was a temporal pincer movement?
1: Is that what it is that we're doing?
0: I think so, because we're going forwards and backwards. Oh, shit. Yeah. Can we go
1: back and re-record
0: <laughs> all the Eastwoods so we could just say... Or can we go forward and re-record fuck. and send it back or whatever happens in Tenet? Uh, for this episode, we are talking about Last
1: of the Mohicans and... Uh, Thomas did you didn't read the book you didn't read the book
2: did you well yeah I guess well I guess we'll get into that a little bit about the the, in the manuscript section um but yeah this this pairs uh as we look at the second part of this episode uh the insider as we move chronologically towards the middle uh uh terribly it seems like so I think it's a good idea that we started uh (laughs) uh separating these out um uh dedicating a full episode just to to, to one film so because uh, uh there's been some pretty good um uh like the keep in miami vice that they had interestingly um dreamlike atmospheres and some dude on a boat but this was this was hard to like figure out some commonalities between i guess both have disloyal employees who portray their employers <laughs> <laughs> yeah uh they have multiple languages with and without subtitles ooh. You have a cinematographer, Dante Spinotti, on both. Though not originally for Last of the Mohicans. We'll get into that. Yeah. You got heroes who wear leather jackets? I had forgotten about the driving range and then the insiders. So you do have people playing games <gasps> or balls. You
1: do! That's right, because they play... Um, they play... What What do they play?
2: Soccer. No. Fo- football. Uh, stickball. stickball. It's called stickball, but it looks like lacrosse. It's like an it earlier, yeah, a...
1: earlier version of lacrosse.
2: Yeah. Um, of course, because it's a Michael Mann film, you have to have men staring out at water. Mm-hmm. So that's going to be part of your bingo cards for mm, both. Yes. And then, you know, I guess in both, people get the axe. <laughs> hey, you know what? <laughs> <laughs> oh, that was a
0: good one. I get it.
1: They are both directed yeah. by Michael Mann.
0: Yeah. That was your hey. joke. Yeah, that's my joke. Because they all are. Because yeah. that's what we're doing here. Oh. Just watching those. Yeah, that was your joke. Yeah, that that so my joke.
2: Last of the Mohicans... Uh, released September twenty fifth, nineteen ninety two. Uh, forty million dollar budget came in at one hundred forty three box office. Um, and I think we've all seen this before. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jack, is that the case? Yes, seen it multiple times. How many times? Yeah, uh,
0: this would be my third viewing.
2: Okay. Uh, and when we're talking about this, we'll get into this in a moment. But you watching the director's expanded edition?
1: Yeah, we we watch the. The definitive edition,
2: yes. The twenty, the twenty ten release, I believe. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, Yeah, I think we're all fiends for Mohicans on this podcast. Uh, (laughs) Ken, did you see it in the theater? Um, I was working in
1: a movie theater. Uh, in 1992, and I remember this. I, I was a big Man fan back then. Uh, but one thing I remember about this movie when it came out, because uh, a lot of the people who worked in the movie theater were were young women, how to a person how they swooned over this movie. Not necessarily because Daniel Day Lewis is hot, even though he is. Um, right. Just the 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 simmering sensuality between Day Lewis and Stowe. I remember so distinctly how it seemed to capture every single you know female employee where they just flat out in love with this movie. And I don't think man has another movie that you could say that about where he taps into something that uh, women seem to really
0: like.
2: Yeah, the romance being such a, I guess, I don't know. I don't want to talk about like full quadrant movies, but I mean, it seems like uh, it, it brought in an audience that wouldn't necessarily go see Collateral Or Miami Vice. uh, Miami Vice. Yeah.
0: It's, it's so different from his other movies. It's at some points like almost easy to forget that it is a Michael Mann movie. And then at other points, there's like a low angle of a dude riding in a carriage looking out over the the landscape. And it's like, okay, it's still Michael Mann. Don't worry.
1: Or, or there's a long scene with no dialogue and a, a fucking great song accompanying, (laughs) you know, (laughs) an amazing set piece. For sure.
2: Yeah. I mean, if we're playing uh, bingo, the Michael Mann bingo, you have an incarceration scene. You have a hospital scene. Oh, wow. You have messages that get intercepted. Now, I think that's that era's phone tap where you get the messengers uh, taken out and, and their uh, letters stolen, their missives stolen. <laughs> you have somebody running, right? A lot of that. A lot of runners. Uh, you have horses, And you get a cougar, which is kind of like a tiger or a wolf. Um, so you also get that wild animal in there. Uh, you got some boat travel. That's true.
1: Oh, yeah. Go slow boats this time, though. I think this is a
2: judgment call. (laughs) I'm gonna, Ken, do you think this one counts? Do you think, and right before Daniel Day goes to have that big makeout session, do you think that the dancing scene in the fort counts as a club scene?
1: They are both. Walking through the
2: revelers. And I think it does. It totally does. Wow. Well, I have bingo, but we'll keep going. There's also an instant romance, (laughs) like you see in The Keep, Miami Vice, Public Enemies, and Black Hat. Yep. And there are multiple cuts of this film, like Thief, Manhunter, Black Hat, Ollie, Miami Vice, and Heat.
0: Jesus. Wow. That hits all the marks. It does. Just like an arrow being shot
1: and it's weird that it hits all the because like you were saying a lot of it is so different from all of his other movies right um but when you dig a little deeper it's really not
0: yeah uh
1: so can you tell us a little bit the background of the making of this movie why why did man want to make last the mohicans it's a pretty pretty, well, pretty 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 big left turn given his uh yeah work up to then
2: I think there's two i don't, I feel like there's maybe two answers to that I mean so one um he this is his mo this is his follow up to manhunter. He had done a lot of television so it' had been six years since he had made a film to put that in perspective, Eastwood was involved in seven films during that time <laughs> he directed and he starred in six. oh my god. So after Manhunter came out, Heartbreak Ridge would come out in '86. He did the Deadpool Bird in '88, '89, Pink Cadillac '90, White Hunter, Black Heart, and the Rookie. And 1992 in August, so before this film comes out, Unforgiven. What a mixed bag of
0: movies there! Holy <laughs> shit!
2: Yeah, if you would, well, that was season what three, probably of the yeah uh, yeah practically the that, entire that season he made bag. so many. Wow,
0: that yeah. is, <laughs> that's like every other movie is great, and then the other ones are terrible. That's insane.
1: One for them, one for me, right? Yeah. <laughs>
2: um, so, yeah, he hadn't made a film in a while. He claims that he always loved the 1936 uh, Paul Dunn screenplay um, uh, adaptation of The uh, Last of the Mohicans story, uh-huh. which is a book by... Um
1: James Fenimore James Fenimore Cooper. Cooper.
2: Yeah. As part of his long stocking tales. Um That's that said, I'm not I, I definitely think that uh the thirty six film which I watched um is closer what what we see on screen is closer to that than the book. hmm That's what I've heard. Um well it actually gets a yeah. credit,
1: um, and the credits is based on the screenplay or adaptation.
2: Yeah. Yeah, I mean, so do adaptations for um, like three other versions of of the film, uh, three other film versions of the, of the book. Um, but yeah, this, this movie's this book's been adapted multiple times uh, into films, I think close to what, uh, 10 times in the uh, movies, including a German movie. And then for television, it's been done a bunch as well, including Canadian television series. Hawkeye and The Last of the Mohicans. Yeah, with Lee, Lee Horsley. Seven. Oh, wait. No. And Lon Chaney what? Jr. Yes. And Brownface, of course. No. Wow. Yeah. No, that's not right.
0: You know, i guys, I, I got to say, I like this movie. It's all right. But I prefer the Hanna-Barbera Productions children's <laughs> animated classics, The Last of the Mohicans. That fantastic cover. Oh, wow. Yeah.
1: That is a great cover. It's really great.
2: Uh, well, We'll put that in the uh, show notes. Maybe we'll put it up on some of... I don't know if we get the rights to it. We might put it up in some of the billboard. Uh, We could put
1: it in the Anna (laughs) Manimated section of the
2: podcast. Yeah, so originally this was going to be a summer release. Um, And then thanks for sending over that article, uh, Ken, from the LA Times in 92 uh, by Jane Galbraith, who explained that it was supposed to be released July 10th, but Mm -hmm. the studio pulled it. It was originally going to be a three-hour cut of the movie. Uh, and uh, they screened the version that they were going to put out. Uh, the audience was not very receptive to it. Uh, they said it was kind of unevenly pa- uh, paced. And it was a little too graphic.
3: Mm. Hm.
2: So uh, this film had its setbacks also <laughs> included in that article mm-hmm. uh, you had a costume designer who walked off the set <laughs> the original director of photography uh kubrick alum um why am i blanking on his name uh, doug milsom yeah uh who would direct i'm sorry who would be the cinematography cinematographer on full metal jacket but was a camera operator on i've never this film barry Linden? Larry Benden, <laughs> yeah, and,
1: and you, you can see why a man went went to him for this.
2: Yeah, it seems. Uh, yeah, it seems like you want somebody who has the ability to do like a Barry Lyndon, uh, even though he wasn't on Paths of Glory, like s- something that is able to do that large breadth, uh, depth of field, breadth of of uh, external world, uh, nighttime lighting, mm-hmm. candlelight, like uh, uh, something that somebody who can do a period piece. Uh, as mentioned in the similarities, uh, it would end up going over to Dante uh, Spinotti. So yeah, it's a great looking uh, movie. T- t- it's an amazing looking movie, um, and there was also some uh, issues. Remember, they went from the longer cut to the shorter cut. Mm-hmm. So originally, Trevor Jones uh, had done the original um, original three hour cut, but when they cut fifty minutes of me- <laughs> of it out. <laughs> They needed to rescore it. So they brought in Randy Elderman. Um So both of them would receive credits for the film score. It's
1: amazing all that trouble, how, how well it turned out. And
2: um, I think you it could... It really is. And then, I mean, uh, he. there was some concern about Michael Mann running over budget that, you know, I heard or read, um, having verified that uh, at some point Sony, I believe, sent out, Um, somebody to (laughs) look up look over his shoulder. Yeah, I read that. And just to make sure I'm sorry it was Fox. Uh would send somebody out to look over his shoulder just to be like, okay, that's done. Let's we're gonna move the next one because he had so much coverage that he was doing and so many different takes. This is I wanna do a little sidebar on Morgan Creek Entertainment. Oh. Okay. Because they were yeah, they're the producers on this. Um, the distributors would be 20th Century Fox and I think overseas Warner Brothers probably. But they, uh, starting in 88, would bring us such things as Young Guns and Dead Ringers. They uh, they helped finance a lot of um, uh, movies that I, I think of as the 90s, like Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves, and uh, Ace Ventura, Pet Detective, and True Romance.
0: All great movies except for True Romance.
2: Uh well, well, they would then go on in the 2000s to start doing things like uh, Battlefield Earth. Still, I mean, somebody Ooh, has to pay for it, right? Yeah. And Ace Ventura Jr. Pet Detective, which I didn't know existed, but I'm eager to check out. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Okay. Tell let us know how it is. Uh,
1: you, uh we we could cover it in our um Up Morgan's Creek podcast <laughs> that we're starting.
2: <laughs> <laughs> well, that sounds a little bit like. Uh, and so we won't go too much into maybe the, the actors and other things behind him because he, he, there's always the sense of Daniel Day-Lewis being a method actor. And that's one of the things that comes out um, of this is how much verisimilitude that they had. Everything was made uh, as it was in the past uh, with strong attention to detail. Man and Daniel Day maybe trying to one up <laughs> each other in authenticity. <laughs> yeah. But uh, that, that I guess that, like, that's – We've already talked a lot about Daniel Day-Lewis, not on the just the Lincoln podcast, uh, but also Daniel Day-Lewis in the News Radio, <laughs> where we it was, a, it was a weird compromise between the three of us because, of course, <laughs> Ken likes Daniel Day-Lewis movies. I'm a big fan of late '90s television, uh, the television series News Radio, because oh. I love Dave Foley, and then Jack's favorite podcast is the Joe Rogan Experience, and he was on, Joe Rogan's on News Radio, so. it it seemed like it was really for people like us and nobody else really wanted to listen to those three things being discussed all in different up all in the same episode Well, you're forgetting
0: that we also every episode had to dissect a huey lewis in the news song at the same time so that made that really threw a wrench in things do you you have a favorite Uh, huey lewis in the news song jack hip to be square the only one i can think of (laughs) do you power of love Oh, that's from Back to the Future. It is. I know the whole monologue yeah. from American Psycho. Four. Yeah. The most accomplished that, album.
2: <laughs> yeah, I, I was just reading a bunch of Breddy Stanellis on air whenever we were doing that, uh, doing the the soliloquy. Right. From American Psycho. Yeah. Um, yeah, Daniel Day was up for Dracula to play Dracula, and Graham is Dracula, but he was committed to, to this movie instead.
0: I was just watching that movie on YouTube the other day. Well, well
1: that... did he uh, maybe the offer for Dracula because he was living in the woods like um, um, Hawkeye would have actually lived and the offer was delivered by horse, but it was too late and old
0: men had already been
1: cast. Or the
0: messenger was intercepted.
1: There you go. Or it was sent by a crow? I don't know.
0: Right. Raven. Raven. Owl. Magic. <laughs> I'm just <laughs> thinking of things from Harry Potter now.
1: I thought you were doing Game of Thrones. No.
0: Uh, so, Jack. Yeah? Uh,
1: how would you describe this movie? If, if no one had ever seen it, what, what would you tell them? What, what's, what's it
0: about? Imagine 15 minutes of the most dense exposition possible Uh uh all uh thrown at you by dudes who look exactly the same and have uh in uh, incomprehensibly british accents and mannerisms and then after that uh an hour hour and 40 minutes of um of straight up action swelling romance beauty and it's amazing and you'll love it and if you don't like it you're an idiot and it's great and it's and Daniel Day Lewis and So I, I was thinking They should put that on the poster.
1: Of the the last one we did, uh Manhunter. Yeah. Uh, the ending of that movie. How uh listening back to that episode you're talking about, how it's awesome, but it, it kind of didn't fit with the, the rest of the movie. Um this movie has a similar musically accompanied set piece at the end. Yeah. Um which works amazing. Right. But uh I was kind of thinking after watching it what if you put it on mute and put uh Devita during the climax of Last of the Mohicans.
0: Stop it's... just what is wrong with you? I th- I think it would still I think <laughs> it would still work. I mean it would still work but I... it'd suck. Okay. Uh yeah, it's great. That that's your that's your summation. Well, yeah, every, uh, that, everything I said, I think you should put on the poster. That should be the tagline.
1: So I, I read that Brian Cox was initially offered the role as Madeline Stowe's uh, dad. That that would have been... That guy was good, but...
2: Um, Brian Cox.
1: Oh, Adam I don't Elector.
2: remember. Uh, it, it's, I don't know if we did go through a plot synopsis on this film. But so I, well, it's, it's pretty I, amazing like the discrepancies between in the 36 film and the book um, just for like what uh, man decided to keep in well what and, what I
1: What I'm curious about is the a relatively simple throughline of this story that has been cho- so attractive to uh, numerous generations of filmmakers. Um, I mean what what's what's the grab that uh, it's a fairly simple story, right? I mean, um, white guy, white guy raised by Indians and he has to accompany some British people and some ladies after they get attacked and they save them. Um, and they're in the middle of a war between France and England.
2: Yeah. I mean, I guess the part the uh, Hawkeye wasn't raised by, uh, Native Americans in the book or the 1936 version of the film. Um, but the, uh. I think maybe what's appealing about this and might be a little problematic in having this come out when it did after uh, Desert Storm. Um, is that it is a, a movie and a book about uh, trying to find the American identity. Uh, General Cooper being one of the earliest uh novelists in, in the uh, United States trying to understand like uh, like 30 years after uh, some of the events he's writing about uh, what what it means to be part of this new nation. And in the 36 version of the film, it's really trying to deal with the idea of like isolationism with World War II. Uh, you have uh, hmm. people, uh, the idea being that you uh, the introduction of like uh, settlers uh, and uh, the Yankees not wanting to be part of the, not be conscripted or not, or be able to go home in case there's an attack um, being uh, kind of lukewarm on the British efforts against the French. Uh, And so that film was kind of created and came out to try and put, uh, help, uh, Americans off the fence and have them uh, want to engage in what was going on in, in Europe at the time. Um, and yeah, and so it still takes its a lot of its cues from that. The, the man uh, 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 Crow, not Cam- uh, Cameron Crow, not Christopher Crow. Crow, counting, and Chris. not Madeline
1: Stowe. And not the Counting Crows,
2: but, yeah. But Christopher Crow, uh, who also shares screenplay writing credits with uh, Man on This, who Man went to uh, <laughs> tried to get him off of the get, to to strip him of those credits. Classic Man, um, yeah. But uh, yeah, the um, the ninety two film. Uh, I, I one of the interesting things about having read a little bit of the book. I've read the. Uh, uh, I think The Pioneers, uh, which is the first, I think, book in that series. And I, I tried to read um, Last of the Mohicans, but it just really wasn't worth my time um, because there's, there's so much that's different between the two, uh, including that, if you think about what this film is, Cora in the book uh, is not a love interest and get dies, gets stabbed. Huh. Cool. So, that's a little different.
1: Quite a bit different actually.
2: Yeah. Um Alice, there is no roman there's no like romantic triangle or uh um or jealousy between Hawkeye and the uh major Uh who I thought did a great job. I'm surprised he's, uh the guy who played Major Duncan Hayward. I, I I'm surprised I didn't see he didn't see him in more stuff afterwards.
1: Yeah. Uh, great, great cast. And I think one of the reasons they all look alike is because they wear those stupid fucking wigs. Yeah. So w- one of the things that I noticed watching at this time that maybe I didn't notice before, um, was what you were talking about, um, as far as the uh, forging an identity of what America would, would become, um, the isolationist nature of, uh, Hawkeye just wanting to go to Kentucky and want, wanting nothing to do with it. And man having his main characters kind of end up outside of of the whole uh, war between France and England and and having the the natives are, are fighting amongst each other um I, I had a, a real sense of sadness as to that that time and and what would end up becoming this country and what would end up com- happening to the Native Americans. Um, it was a lot sadder this time than maybe when i watched it in the 90s uh when yeah, I mean, when west the whole
2: i mean if you just think about the the title itself it's such a great title right um uh the last of the mohicans which i think whenever i first saw it uh in being a teenager uh closer when it came out i for some i kept thinking that hawkeye was like an adoptive son and he would go on to keep the tribe going somehow like a white savior but that's absolutely not what the film is nah um, and I think that maybe that's one of the reasons that it keeps getting reproduced is just that sense of, uh, an end of an era and end of a, of a, uh, of a culture and the starting of something else. And, um, uh,
1: so w- at- West Wes Studi's character, Mungo, Mung- what's his name? Uh, his thing at the end with the chief, which they're all speaking different languages at that point,
2: but we don't One know. One of the best scenes ever in any movie, it right? It is
1: so sad because he thinks something is going to happen by partnering with these people. And we in the 21st century know that that is absolutely not the case. Uh, he, he is speaking as if dealing and trading with these people that they are somehow going to be equals. Devastating. Really sad.
2: Well. Uh, yeah, I mean, the French had a different relationship with uh, the existing tribes than, than the British did as well. Did you, in your watching of the film, and again, we're talking about the director's expanded um, edition versus the other two versions, the theatrical and the original uh, recut for distribution. Uh, did you sense that the uh, the French general uh, was disingenuous and and uh, like gave the nod or the wink to um, Magua, or do you think uh, he was just kind of hands off? Like, how how explicit or complicit do you think the French were in that? Massacre? Well,
1: the 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 I mean, when the the French general makes a deal and then he says that deal was with me, not the not Magua, and then Magua goes in and his people attack him. So the French. General is basically disingenuous with him. Why with him concerning the, the British? Why would he not be disingenuous with him in the future? A very duplicitous. I mean, why, why would you trust him? He made an honorable deal and then he basically broke it by having a third party do what he wanted him to do against right. the deal he made.
0: They needed lawyers back then.
1: <laughs> yes. Uh, not dissimilar from some of the stuff that happens in the insider, but, um, a little bit different context,
0: right? A little bit,
2: a little bit. So, one cool, one fascinating difference between the two. I think that one of the things I, watching it again, um, maybe uh, as an adult uh, after the after the nineties, that, that struck me was how gorgeous and uh, the movie is as far as uh, instilling a sense of like conservationalism and a, uh, a majesty of nature, yeah, which. Reading, uh, rereading portions of the book again is the complete opposite. Like wilderness is dangerous and scary and the place where you die <laughs> or anything. It, so it is uh, the complete opposite of like my cinema going experience reading the book whenever it comes to the woods and the wilds. Really? Yeah. Uh, but uh, it's, uh, yeah. So th- you want let's go, wanna go through the movie real fast because I love the opening, right?
1: the running the, and the killing get, of get,
2: the yeah you get you get so much of just uh you get the title cards letting you know that two different things are kind of happening you have this the the war going on i think it's what it's third year um and you have then also the micro story of um there's a, uh there's only two mohicans left
1: a father and a son and
2: then yeah and then you get no Dialogue, right? You you just get them running through the forest and you're not quite sure what they're running after or running to. And then they, they shoot the deer. Now, in the book, if I remember right, uh, uh, Deer Slayer, um, uh, Daniel Day Lewis's character says, like, uh, I can't, sh- they just don't want to shoot him because it would, it would uh, scare them or bring people to their attention. So instead, uh, um, his. It's not a brother uh, in it, right? He's actually much older than him. But Uncas shoots him with an arrow. But yeah, yeah. So you have this—you have this great scene, and then they like uh, have like a—they uh, uh, they honor the the thing that they killed before they eat it. So whatever you cut to later, the homesteaders, which aren't in the book at all, and they're they're like, what's going on outside? And you see uh, Daniel Day Lewis and crew coming, and them. I always think that there there's going to be a fight or a battle, as opposed to everybody getting <laughs> hey, along man, and having dinner. Have a seat, make some goo goo eyes. Yeah. Uh, so and it's it's a great it's a great like familiar thing that you don't really get in a Michael Mann movie, right? Like people around a dinner table enjoying food. Is Usually they're a, like in a diner scene talking? Yeah.
0: Is that, I was going to ask, does that count as a diner scene? No, I think it nah. does.
2: Nah, nah. It totally does. Nah. I don't know. Michael Mann diner scenes are all about like lists there, and dude, there goals. There is
1: and- so when Cora, Cora, right, Madeline Stowe, her yes. and her, um, and her, her beau, they have a scene in a field with a table.
2: Yes, that would be a dinner scene because they, <laughs> they're he's ta- he's there to talk business.
1: Yeah, he he wants to shack up, right, and marry her. So obviously, when she meets, soon as she meets Hawkeye, that that's thrown out the window. And that's one of the uh, conflicts is he wants to marry her because they would be the best couple in London. She's obviously has different ideas. Right. And of course, as soon as she meets Daniel Day-Lewis, who is so fucking sexy and awesome in this movie. So you've watched a lot of Daniel Day-Lewis, Jack.
0: Yes. He's a favorite of yours. Yes. Um, where would you rank this in his performances? That's a really good question. It's not... The thing with Daniel Day-Lewis' performances is usually the director wants to focus on his face a lot and, like, have lots of him chewing scenery because he's really good at it. Um, in this, he is not. He's in mostly uh, wide shots. I can't really think if there's any, besides the, the making out scene, if there's really any attention really close on his face at any point. And he doesn't have a ton of dialogue. But I do think it's a great physical performance. Um, And his accent is amazing. I love what he does with his voice in this. Um, But yeah, of course... I mean, knowing the the behind-the-scenes stuff, like, oh, he learned to hunt and fish and, like, lived in a fucking hut that he built or whatever and didn't shower the entire time they were (laughs) filming. Like, that stuff, of course... Oh, it's like, yeah, well, of course it's great. Like, that's just above and beyond. And I think it really... I think it really does show um especially when he's running you can tell he's really really running He's really gunning it like well, tom
2: cruise he is a runner like uh one of the things he he was upset about uh listening to some interviews is that he didn't he wasn't able to really go out for a run during the shooting because they were trying to get him to bulk up he was drinking um i don't know something like fight milk <laughs> he was drinking <laughs> something to <laughs> uh i guess that's another crow reference um uh, always funny. Yeah, he was drinking uh, stuff to like to bulk up because uh, he's na- naturally very very lean, especially uh, yeah. in his thirties. Uh, yeah, was that's the, true. The time he was sh- shooting this.
1: He he is pretty bulky in this compared to some of his other roles.
0: Yeah, like what did he ever do a movie where he has AIDS? He seems like the kind of actor that would do that. Uh, should
2: we? Or like an eating disorder, like the Machinist,
0: right? <laughs> you know those oscar performances yeah where they they
1: they do a lot physically and that, yeah that's the role yeah um i and, i i think this is one of his most like, iconic roles i don't know like you said i don't know if it's his best because he doesn't really say a lot but what he does physically with the character
2: yeah, yeah. And he's in a lot of like three shots or like uh he has always like uh he's always framed with other people usually off to like the right hand side of the of the screen and you can see like him thinking. With his face, but it's, I what's I think one of the great things about this being a Michael Mann movie is that uh, in the popular consciousness and uh, you you have Native Americans as quiet people or stoic people, especially like whenever uh, Magua's, uh, whenever um, Alice Monroe jumps to her death, spoilers, his reaction is one of like shock, but also he can't express it. You can see him trying to, like, he, there was a loss, but at the same time, it's like, well, that's done, and they walk off. He's not a psychopath, despite uh, being the bad guy in this. I love despite, the scene where, And despite the killings.
0: I love the scene where he explains his backstory to the French dude, because it's it's very simple, and it's very, like, like not only is he completely... Sh- Besides wanting to kill the two daughters, which is a little far, but he is actually completely justified in his actions, I think. And that's, I think the movie doesn't shy away from that. I don't think that, yeah, it doesn't make him out to be a totally sadistic, psychopathic bad guy. Really what he's doing, if it was framed differently, he would be the main character out on a revenge mission.
2: Yeah, I think I think the only two people who really come off smelling like roses, are like, are, and it's weird to uh, maybe we could try and figure out how he does this, but is Daniel Day and Russell Means, right? Like, and of course uh, Madeline Stowe and yeah. uh, her sister. But if you think about it, the British aren't good, the Americans aren't necessarily good, the uh, and uh, the tribes and the French are, aren't good either.
0: Yeah, that's
2: so true. Uh, so, the,
1: the centerpiece of the – the center of the movie is based around the, the battle of the, the fort. Uh, amazing bit of production there.
0: Yeah. How much did that cost? That must have
1: – that must have been insane.
2: So, I, I, I think I read $7 million to <sighs> build. Not, that's not shooting it or anything else. They shot it at night. They had the giant lights uh, oh, so to d- be able to do that. Did you read that? I think uh, they, shot, uh, they shot, like, basketballs painted black, but they would melt in the cannon. Yeah.
1: <laughs> so, there is an anecdote. I, I think this may be made up. But it also sounds, it could be Michael Mann, where they were shooting all night. And then uh-huh. um, Michael Mann said, uh, what's that orange light? Get that, fu- turn that fucking thing off. And someone said, yeah. Michael, that's that's the sun. It's morning.
0: Uh, I don't know if that's true, but I want it to be true. I, I would say it's definitely true.
1: Yeah. It
2: just seems like it's, it, even if it's not true, it has to be true. Yeah. And then, and then after it's, he it's heard. almost overdetermined. And after yeah. he hears
0: that, he says, well, can we do something about it? Right. <laughs> yeah. That, that fort, uh, those, those fort battle sequences at night is what really cements this Photography as being, I think, the best in any Michael Mann movie. So but gorgeous. the light behind the smoke shining through every time a cannon goes off is just such a beautiful image. It's insane.
1: And, and so, you, you know how meticulous he is in general. But he was particularly meticulous in uh, the the battle and the, the training of the extras who were in the battle. Mm. Um, isn't that right, Thomas?
2: Yeah. I, I guess to further appreciate uh, this film and its structure. Uh, The uh, 1936 film opens in England with the King of England talking about the colonies and ends with uh, uh, Long Rifle, uh, the Daniel Day-Lewis character. uh, Because he helped the colonists leave the fort, Uh, he goes back on trial after everything's done and gets uh, conscripted into the the British Army, which he's okay with. and they march off at the end. He's like, eh, okay, oh, goodness uh, yeah, the book opens with uh, I think something happening at the fort, and them' trying to figure out uh, how to get back uh, get through the wilderness. Um, so to open with that action scene, the wordless action scene running through the forest, Um, to introduce which isn't in the book or the, the, uh, uh, 36 movie, the, the, um, the pioneers, the, the homesteaders, homesteaders who were, uh, later massacred and to do all that up front, uh, is, is just a brilliant piece of work so that by the time you get through all the talky parts, like you said, Jack, which I don't feel like they're overly dense, but, you know, you have a lot going on in the, that second act. No, no, uh, this is, okay. Once you, once, you, once, you get to, once you get to the fort and then afterwards, man, it's just off to the races. And it, it's like, uh, it feels like it never really stops.
0: Yeah, I, I've seen it three times and I still don't understand what the hell they're talking about in that, first bit the, all the british people it's like they're talking about a fort and there's another fort and there's these oh two girls and they have to get french... to one of the forts i have no
1: idea how what french people about.
2: make love with their mouths Gross. no i i i don't yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that's a different podcast that's a great <laughs> that's a great line about how the french are feckless and uh uh, yeah yeah they they're, they're they're cowards and make loves with the mouths and Jared um, Harris is there for some
0: reason and it's like you're uh, not Pete, listening.
1: Pete Polewaite shows up almost as a cameo
0: yeah but you're not listening to the dialogue because you're trying to figure out if it's Jared Harris or not and then you're like <laughs> oh it is and it's like what did he say it's a great I think it's a great bit of filmmaking because it gets basically all the story you need out of the way as soon as the movie opens and then yeah like you said I think from the point where they find uh, their buddies all massacred onward at like you have the, the night sequence where they're trying to sneak by and then the French, uh, they come across the burial ground and it's really tense. And then there's the battle going on at the fort. And then from there, it's basically like a like series of set pieces that get increasingly good, I think. And like are super all well choreographed. This has the best Michael Mann action sequences that he's ever done by far. I
2: mean, I love that you get the tomahawk down the barrel, right? You get, like, uh, that the fight sequences where... This is some of that um, training with Daniel Day that uh, Ken was talking about where he meets with people, uh, survivalists, but also combat experts. And, like, where you want to hit people if you're going to attack them with a knife and a hatchet. Like, he has, like, this three-strike three kill thing. It's almost like a video game. Like a <laughs> combo in a video game where you're, like cuts their their uh inside of the wrist and then like steps around and cuts the back of their leg and then like s- hits them in the head uh yeah it's it's great it's 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 phenomenal and you don't need a lot of talk and there. The, which i think is really weird b- given the next movie that we're going to talk about
1: the so the sequence with uh after they leave the fort um and the french and the english british uh have an agreement and then the French general tells Magua, "Well, you don't have agreement with him. Uh, there's that. Uh, see, uh, there's... I
2: don't. You know what? I I'm, I don't think he gives him. I don't think he gives him even the wink. I think he just says like, "It's between you guys." Yeah, um, because Magua gives him the speech of like, "I want to kill these people," and the French isn't going to say like, "You can't do that," because he has that political alliance with the tribes as well. Um, but but the the
1: sequence with the attack is pretty brutal. But the the scene where. The, uh, during the attack, where um, Daniel Day Lewis, Hawkeye, whatever, long rifle, long rifle, because he carries a long rifle, or we—is it a euphemistic nickname? <laughs> we don't know. Well, the... <laughs> but uh, the the scene where he like he starts like going through the crowd, he's like completely focused on where she is. Um, uh-huh. Is probably one of the for his character probably the best badass moment because. Uh, at the end of the movie that's
0: right? on the poster is him running
1: yeah and and how he's attacking and killing people and and
0: it's so not, not even cool.
1: be looking at them he's so he cool so
0: focused yeah. he's and like he's swinging his his tomahawk down at their legs and swiping people off the ground and yeah not even looking it's amazing it's if he, so if cool he
3: got,
2: yeah it reminds me a little bit of old boy the hammer scene but he doesn't yeah. take any blows He's, right. he's just like, he's almost like a Marvel hero, but 10 years. Really? Which one? Any of that? Message, you know, all of them. <laughs> not one in particular? <laughs> yeah, not one from- Maybe with a bow and arrow? Yeah. Nope. Nope. No idea what you're talking about.
1: Oh, Legolas. <laughs> oh, Alan Alda. Who? MASH. Hawkeye. I don't, I don't know. I don't know what MASH is. It was a TV show. It was also a movie. Uh, Donald, no, Elliot Gould played- who played Hawkeye in the Mash movie? Donald Sutherland or Elliot Gould?
0: Wait, wait, wait. Are you talking about uh, bangers I... and mash, the classic British breakfast? No, no. Oh. suicide his... is painless.
3: <laughs> um,
2: and, and I think you have like two. Uh, you have that action scene. You have them. Uh, you you have the romance in the waterfall. Of saying, uh, you know, wait I, will you mean, you. Right? I will find I you. I will find you. I will find you. Yeah. He gives her his email address. Is, and then kinda ghosts her, but then it comes back. So one of the uh, I love the scene when he walks in and they're they're hitting him. Um, and one person runs by and cuts uh, Hawkeye's chest with a knife um and he just he just keeps getting up and walking to be able to have the conference that is yeah. in is four different languages because that's badass like he speaks english and uh monroe speaks french and english and so he could talk to the other person who speaks the native language because that person speaks french in that other language yeah it's all great um but in the book big missed opportunity in the book uh hawkeye wears a bear suit and <laughs> pretends to be a bear to get inside <laughs> no i swear i swear no yeah nicholas uh, one of the things one of the things i read to refresh my memory on all this was the uh i think it was like 2010s maybe it was the aughts uh um what's his name it's marvel comics came out with the last of the mohicans that was adapted by Roy Thomas, the guy who did a bunch of um, uh, Conan the Barbarian stuff for them. And he also
1: did a a comic book for DC called uh, Eric, Son of Thunder, which was uh, a straight um, story about a Native American in the 1800s,
2: 1700s. No superheroes, no magic. So I went and grabbed that to refresh my memory on a bunch of stuff. Uh, Because what he did was he went through and he kept the same language uh, from the book. He just cut out all like a lot of the exposition and all of the other things um to so i could remember kind of like what the structure of it was and yeah you get <laughs> you get hawkeye in a bear suit a little bit i guess a little bit like uh cage in a bear suit mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. uh sneaking in breaking up the party uh so w-
1: when reading about the different cuts the the theatrical cut has the scene where um hawkeye tells um Googly-eyed British dude. That I think at some time, at some point, we're going to have a serious disagreement. Um That the second cut that man did, he cut that out. Yeah, which which is weird because that that's one of the that's one of the great lines of the movie.
0: Okay, is it is it working? Yeah, oh, yeah. Welcome back to the the te- the technical difficulties and the ugly. Yeah, we, we had
1: a, a brief technical uh, outage, and it resulted in my anecdote about meeting Daniel Day-Lewis and getting in a fight um, back in 2003.
0: And he beat His, the shit out of you, and you started crying.
1: Uh, I, I'm not going to go over it again. It's, I'm pretty emotional, and plus there's some uh, NDAs that I signed, so I can't really say
2: much and about it. I think your football game starts in an hour, so we'll have to do something else. Yeah, yeah. That's true.
0: Um, last, uh, last of the Mohicans though. What, what were we on? Oh, one. You know the best thing about man's choreography in this is what they teach you in school about the fucking formations that the British used. Is that they're the battle formation?
2: Whoa! Were. What? What did they teach you in school?
0: When <laughs> they teach you the they dude they teach you a Revolutionary they, War unit once a oh, year okay. for like four Wait. years in a row or okay, five years. Because I heard row.
2: something else. I, I heard that something okay they they don't actually teach you about fucking formations no they don't (laughs) they don't
0: teach that in school they teach about the french making love with their their mouths though (laughs) um uh the the form the battle formations that these were um like totally useless and a bunch of farmers beat them which is partially true but i think what man does as a great choreographer and director of action sequences in this movie is make that actually look dangerous and they get totally destroyed by the uh uh Magwa and the Boys. I forget what that tribe was. No, that's the name of the race. <laughs>
3: Magwa and
0: the boys. Magua and the boys. Um they get totally destroyed still, but it's like when you see them kneel down and they're shooting while the people behind them are getting ready, it mm-hmm. you can actually see, oh, that's actually a pretty good way to shoot at people that are running at you.
1: Yeah. It's it's, it's fairly effective. Stark contrast to Barry Linden. Um, where they just marched toward each other. Right. Realistic as that may have been, it seems pretty silly. It seems really dumb. Hey, uh, so uh, the, the next movie we're talking about Gladiator with Russell Crowe. No, we're talking about The Insider with Russell Crowe. Gladiator Crow. 2. Gladiator cave. came out the year later, but I I watched it a few weeks ago because I knew we were going to watch The Insider. And um, Man doing a historical epic, he, he – Doesn't really mess around or or try and gussy it up or make it look contemporary. He just uh, does it straight, does it beautiful, and does it great. Um, When Gladiator came out, it's a pretty standard sand and sandal script. But Russell. Sand and sandal?
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: But uh, Ridley's
3: sandals?
1: You mean? (laughs) Where else do you wear sandals? In the sand. Sandal and satchel? Anyway, Ridley Scott gussies (laughs) up Gladiator so much with bells and whistles to try and make it look new and modern. At the time, it looked great, but it has not aged well. Um, Looking at man doing everything um, straight, it's aged extremely well because it still looks amazing.
2: So that makes me wonder, uh, why wasn't the keep better? Watching this makes me think, like, why why couldn't he nail the keep?
1: I think like his his level of uh, control and experience during the first two seasons of Miami Vice and then making Manhunter, I think he's just a better filmmaker by that point to make something big. Um, Thief was relatively small, um, but to have the kind of control he had in making Matt um, mm-hmm. <laughs> and then putting that towards something huge like uh, Mohicans makes a lot of sense.
0: And um, uh last of the mohicans is actually good and makes sense and not stupid. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I and love... you also
2: have a you also have like a well-oiled team as well, right? Like when they're running in that open hunt and they're tossing weapons back and forth and like that final battle, God, the loves, choreography of it, it he feels loves more like teamwork. than it does. He yeah. loves
1: teamwork so much. Even in the next movie, yeah. he just loves the team dynamic. Uh, it's one of the things I think of rewatching all these mans together that I don't think I noticed before that stands out is he just loves team dynamics.
2: Yeah. Um, it really shows. Uh, and I think the other thing that um, just where he decides to put his emphasis, like an, another director would have like maybe pumped up the loss of the bloodline a little bit more. Or teased even more the younger sister and uh, her romance to maybe continue on the bloodline. And it's there, but it's always, it's not um, overt. It's like the yeah. difference between like maybe Manhunter and the uh, um, the teens version of that same movie uh, for Red Dragon. Yeah. Uh, well...
1: So the, the actress who played Cora's sister, she doesn't say a whole lot in the movie and, and her and the romance with, uh, the younger guy who gets killed, um, is mostly implied with uh-huh. a lot of, a lot of looks, which Michael uh-huh. Mann likes longing looks. Um, so a lot of her stuff was left on the cutting room floor from that three hour cut. Uh, and her her mom forbade them to have any sort of intimate contact or makeout sessions, so that's why a lot of that role and that romance is is mostly
2: looks. And yeah, they they, they never uh, get it on.
1: They don't get well, it on she's, like uh, stone. she's
2: underage. I thought, which is why her mom was on set. Yeah, it makes sense. May.
3: I would have um, done the same. But thing. what's
2: also interesting is maybe this is kind of goes to. uh like with, with that instant romance between Daniel Day and Madeline Stowe, uh, it's a little bit more earned than the Keep. But you get those great cuts and uh, them against a the background. But unlike them going to the Bone Zone in uh, the Keep, in this it's it's really just a makeout session. It gets, everything else is implied. Yeah, but it's I think it's chaste enough that it allows for it to be romantic um, and and to have that. Uh, uh, the wider audience um enjoy the romance. Uh,
1: you you buy it right away just because their chemistry is is locked in um first scene. Uh, it, it thinking about uh Public Enemies, I, I didn't think that 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 chemistry was very good between Depp and Cartilage. Uh but with this movie, with the, with the casting and, and, and Daniel Day Lewis just being a hundred percent, um, you believe it right away. And if yeah, you and if you didn't, I I don't know how good this movie would be.
2: And the casting director and, and man were talking about this for uh yeah, for her as Cora, that she has a, a sense of like defiance and, and strength that you need in this character for when she grabs the gun go- the pistol. Mm-hmm. Uh, And uses it later um, to like standing up to her dad and the others to uh, request that he not be hung, that uh, Hawkeye not be killed for for treason. Um, Everything. Yeah, there's I think this is probably the strongest female character in a man movie uh, as far as just being a character it is i don't I, mean, I don't even great, know who would be second characters in other movies but like as far as like actual characters she might be the most realized yeah
1: oh well, i mean she's she's pretty much it's his his and her story as the a story isn't it i don't know if, if there's yeah, another I man's so. story yeah. i don't know if there's another man's story uh, where you could find that relationship between a man and a woman. Usually, it's the man and his A story is his relationship with his job or what he does. Yeah, like she, James, she's her
2: shadow. I guess you could a little bit of Miami Vice, but it's not really an A B story like that. You're right. Yeah, you, she has her. You you see the, the other things that are going on with uh, in, in Miami Vice uh, outside of um, the male character, but it's not really focused on on her. It's more incidental. Uh, so the 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 climax after he and the the
1: the British soldier have their serious disagreement as to who's going to sacrifice themselves. Um, it's a weird disagreement, but uh, the British guy wins, and Hawkeye puts him out of his misery as he's being burned alive. Burned alive? Is he burned alive?
2: Yes. Okay. In this, he yeah. is not not in the books or. But, yeah.
1: Yeah, in the books, he just eats a a really bad crumpet and then gets dysentery (laughs) and dies. Right. Trades his boots for beer.
2: Uh, (laughs) No, it's the Oregon Trail.
1: Yeah. Uh, The climax. So, the climax. Jack, tell us about the climax. Uh, The ending of the- the, the... great. That's all you're going to say? Sure. Tell us about it.
0: No, it's- Uh, whatever that fucking song is, is amazing. And it's one of, one of, it's, it's, it's probably Michael Mann's best scene that he's ever done as a director. I'd say, um, it's just so epic. It feels like, it feels like something out of, out of Lord of the Rings, which by the way, watching this again, very much inspired Lord of the Rings. I you, think you think I do think, um, yeah. Nice. All the sweeping shots of the Uh, and the hair, yeah, the legolas hair. No, uh, yeah, the 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 yeah, the the final action sequence is so good, and it's one of those cases where, yeah, everything that's been set up just comes together so well.
1: Nothing feels forced.
0: Yeah, and Um, Daniel Day Lewis running with two guns and then jumping and firing them both at once is the most (laughs) amazing thing ever. And Michael Mann does the best thing by giving the last big uh moment of the film or really the two uh last moments of the film to a side character once again like we will see in public enemies yeah um, russell
1: russell means that the actor who plays the dad
0: yeah he uh he gets the the final fight with the the big bad yeah and he kills him and it's pretty gruesome it, what what the what is that big like wooden sword that's also sharp that's also a club that he's carrying around i don't know what it is but it's fucking awesome yeah it's like a swiss army club axe axe yeah but yeah Magua kills his son so he beats the shit out of him and breaks all his bones and kills him it's crazy and then he has that last speech which is iconic yeah it's just it's just such a it's just such a great great finale it's amazing
2: and it's better than i guess in the original version they kept the music going over the end and cut uh russell means uh final um like tr- uh made it shorter his final um, oh, that's criminal benediction that's criminal yeah. that's, that's um, such
1: a great moment
2: yeah so apparently like it seems more like a romantic triumph in the uh theatrical cut uh-huh. and it's more of a michael Mann ending where you're like oh what's going to happen next who are these people like what this thing has changed people's lives what's what's next
0: yeah it's the classic michael mann story of like a world that's changing faster than someone can adapt to it and i think that's the strength of hawkeye's character is that he's definitely torn between two worlds a little bit and yeah he's more interesting than a character i think that's just doing his job because you know what even is his job in the future? There's no place for him.
1: That's true. There is no place for him. Well, what about uh, uh, the dad Russell means character what, what?
0: what you yeah. uh, it's pretty it's pretty deep for a ridiculously over the top action movie
2: romance action movie yeah, yeah it's
1: it's straight ahead classic Hollywood. Uh, historical epic romance, but um Michael Mann's attention to detail and, and wanting to do everything so it looks right uh, really elevates it to be what all those uh, earlier historical epics probably wanted to be yeah. on some level. Um This is like the, the apex of how those movies can be done and done well. Definitely. Um, Cause it's, it's a hard, it, it Watching it, it makes it look easy because you've seen it a bunch of times, but it's so difficult to get something like this and get it right. You think of how many things could go wrong with a historical epic. With uh Native Americans, British and French, and then you have a white guy as the lead character. Um, it could be problematic, but there's zero problematic in this movie, I feel. Yeah. Because uh, everybody is portrayed as human and um the the natives who are violent and there are natives who are not uh the french and the british neither of them come off well
0: yeah they're both horrible and i I, yeah i love that the dad is not portrayed as a good character in any any way whatsoever he's so horrible and that moment is actually really satisfying because he is going to kill daniel day lewis so that moment when magua jumps down and starts cutting open his chest to pull out his heart and like his his boys surround him and like immediately like hold out their their weapons, surrounding him in a semicircle. It's so fucking cool. That could be the album cover: is them surrounding him and him pulling out the heart. Magua and the boys, Magua the, and the boys, <laughs> whole lot of heart. That's the name of yeah, the album. There you go. <laughs> but yeah, and then Magua, of course, because he kills the the dude, and he's taking Alice as a slave. And I I have actually seen some criticism where people think that she's a two-dimensional character for jumping off the cliff when her boyfriend dies. But I have always thought it was very clear that she was jumping off the cliff so that she wouldn't be a fucking slave for the rest of her life, right?
1: Yeah, that, that guy was her her one hope.
0: Yeah. Anyway, uh, it's still very satisfying when Magwa dies.
1: It is. Uh, Wes uh, Studi, who would work with man a couple more times, right? At least one more time.
0: In what? Heat.
2: Really? Yeah, in Heat, he's in Heat, right? Right, Thomas. Is he playing Heat?
0: Uh, he plays
1: Johnny
2: Heat. Shit. Yeah, he's in Heat. He's uh, the detective.
0: Yeah. Oh, uh, okay. Gotcha. Uh,
1: amazing performance. I don't know if I appreciated it as much as I did watching it this last time. Because, um, like you said, I mean, kind of understandable on one level. Another level, he, he's pretty horrible. But then his naivete of thinking that he is going to be equal to these people that are uh, essentially taking over his country is pretty sad.
0: Yeah, it's pretty I
1: really felt sorry. That's the only time I felt sorry for his character. Um, yeah. Great performance, though. Again, iconic. I think Madeline Stowe, probably her most iconic role.
2: Yeah, I, I definitely rank this film over the 1936 version. That's yeah, good. That's good.
0: I, I would yeah. I would say this is the best, like, not even close to Michael Mann's other movies. Like, it's fucking God, I'm going to kill that piece of shit. Uh, Jack is hey.
1: not seriously going to kill our dog. The dog is just whining, and he let the dog out the door.
0: This is Michael Mann's best movie, and it's not even close. And it's also one of my favorite movies of all time, probably. So,
2: Well, what did the internet say about it?
0: What did the internet say about Last of the Mohicans? Um... Do, 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 do. That's the Hanna-Barbera picture again. Alright, uh, here's from, from Google.com. Paul Jackson says, I'm pushing 70 and still have to use the I've been cutting up onions alibi. The music, the action, the acting, all out of sight. The ultimate chick flick. Go ahead and call me politically incorrect.
1: <laughs> what?
0: Don't know what that means.
1: Pushing 70 what? Pounds?
0: <laughs> where, where? Is that a she? Paul. Oh. Really tiny guy. Okay. Tiny Paul. Tiny, tiny Paul. Um, Davey Feller gives it five stars. Last of the Mohicans, in my opinion, is the greatest movie I've ever seen, and I have seen a ton of movies. Sean Lemire gives it four stars. It's just a great movie, in my opinion. It's pretty much just a gore movie. Nine out of ten would watch again.
1: What? I don't understand people who use the amount of movies they've seen as making them some kind of expert. Because we don't know what these movies are. It could be shit. Just because you've seen a lot of yeah, movies doesn't yeah. mean you have you but, have better taste than also somebody said,
2: else. I've seen two movies in my life. Something about Mary and Last of the Mohicans. <laughs> 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 um...
0: We didn't even really talk about it, but the violence in this is very realistic and not graphic at all. Well, it's not exploitive. Yeah.
2: Yeah, when you when he cuts out the heart, you actually don't see any of that until the heart comes out, right? Yeah. So it, it, it's blocked, so you don't actually see – I if, think more of it's implied violence – but you do get like the bone crunching blows whenever Magua is getting beat up by the wooden yeah uh, club thing. But
0: that that all I think this one of the strengths of it is it all feels very real, and a, a worse movie would have made it more over the top.
2: Yeah,
1: the the speed at which they uh, scalp people. Is mm-hmm. something that I've always marveled at this because usually in a movie, they will, they will cut and it'll be, you know, it'll be really graphic and they'll start from the, the top of the scalp and the guy will be screaming. But this one, uh, they are so quick. So the person goes down, they swipe it and that's it. Yeah. It's like uh, someone in a factory opening up boxes. Right. With a box cutter.
0: I wonder if there's a way to test if it's really that easy. There is, a w- there is a way to test, but it
1: would require someone to lose their scalp
0: it would require someone to go to jail. Well, unless you don't get caught. Don't have anything in your life. You can't turn away from and walk away from in 30 seconds. Flat. Uh, Anna Garza. Is that, is that... <laughs> Anna Garza says ultimate romance action film. Daniel Day Lewis was never so sexy and romantic and a total hero in a romantic setting.
2: Beautifully filmed. Totally rewatchable for years see, to come. See, see, that's where you want to know if they've also seen Lincoln.
0: <laughs> uh, Zachary Griffith says it's cool and funny Stanley Keeler gives it five stars Never watched it, but it's very bad quality What? <laughs> PSG gives it five stars Pretty near perfect ripping yarn Yeah, I'd go with that William Walksack. do you know him? It's a Polish person Might be your cousin or something Yeah,
1: I know all Polish people because I'm half Polish Yeah
0: uh, gives it five stars. Producer Hunt Lowry, the best. I not know if that was a producer or not. that was kind of funny.
1: I hear he's the best, though.
0: Uh, Donovan Myler says, fantastic, oo-woo. Beverly Wooley gives it one star. Did not like it, could not understand half of what they said. That's what I was saying, the British accents. Yeah, but who cares? Stripping people up. And Judy Gyrand gives it five stars. Powerful. Won't make it through, through spelled wrong. Without tears and shock. Uh,
1: This is definitely uh, my favorite movie that we've watched so far. Of the Michael Manns. Well,
2: save something for uh, filling out the L.A. Takedown episode (laughs) where we go through and rank them all. Yeah.
1: Um, The Takedown Countdown. Nice.
2: Yeah, we we need to have theme music for that.
0: Yeah, I already said it, but this is my favorite too, so
2: spoilers. Well, did, what, what, what's a man lesson you got out of this, Jack? You can still learn lessons, oh, even shit. though you're a man now.
1: Hey, did oh. you learn anything
2: um, from this? I did,
0: actually. Um, if you... if you <laughs> Well, this might actually connect to the other movie, because of a little Unabomber connection, but if you live alone in the woods and don't shower, women will find you extremely attractive. <laughs> Very good. Uh,
1: so th- this was. uh We're gonna next week. We're gonna have part two of this episode because we're pairing it with the insider. That's why Thomas had all the comps at the beginning of the episode. Yep. Um. So, um. In the meantime, social media. We're on all the social media shit. You can yep. email us. You could SoundCloud. Thanks
2: to Weird AI. For the theme song. Oh yeah, great theme song. we can use yes. it even more now that we're splitting the episode up.
1: And that—that's really the reason we decided to split the episodes up is so we can get more mileage out of the theme song because um, we paid like like twelve thousand dollars for that theme song. So I'm trying to get my money's worth.
2: Ten, ten to twelve thousand is what you give a consultant,
3: I think. Oh, uh, but and we'll get ten is enough episode. to kill a man.
1: <laughs> that's right.
3: <laughs>
1: okay, well, uh, see everybody for part two. Bye.
2: Bye. But I don't know
3: if you know That I am Well everybody Love to feel the heat Coming round that corner We all love the diner Scene alright but don't you Get too attached If you can't walk in 30 flat Cause I prefer